Welcome to Constructed Futures with Hugh Seaton. Today I'm here with Justin Sehang, Head of Construction Technology at Stanley X. Justin, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks very much, Hugh. Really great to be here and excited to spend time with you today. Yeah, me too. Hey, let's start with the beginning. What is Stanley X and what are you guys up to? Yeah, so Stanley X is the innovation division of Stanley Black & Decker. Um, a lot of folks out there know us by our brand name tools like DeWalt, Craftsman, Porter Cable, and, and even some other kind of brands that we hold. Uh, but really, Stanley X uh, was created just a couple of years ago, about two to three years ago, to really focus on creating new sources of growth and revenue for Stanley Black & Decker and to lead disruption into our core industries that we serve, such as construction, as well as oil and gas and security and such. Um, we do this to ensure that we could effectively serve our customers and markets uh, in the future. And what we do is we bring lean start principles into industrial digitization and innovation. So you also asked you what we're up to today yeah. uh, and love to answer that. So, um, you know, what we started off was kind of creating this accelerator incubation model where we um, would create kind of different concepts and startups and kind of spin them out. And we do still do that today. Uh, but we, what we've done is we've aligned on our customer needs and focused on the industries that we serve, such as manufacturing, construction, and even talent that needs to be upskilled and trained in some of these uh, industries. And those three verticals are areas that we want to place bets in, um, in terms of creating innovation, whether it's, you know, software or hardware, uh, you know, innovation. And we use multiple levers to do that. So it's not just like building product in-house. You know, I've, I've talked about spitting out companies, which we have some portfolio companies of. Uh, we also invest as well as partner, as well as even possibly could acquire companies to build out this ecosystem. So that's, there's a lot in there I want to unpack. Um, let's start with, with you know, I, you remind me of, you know, back not that long, well, anyway, a little while ago, Jack Welch talked about disrupt your business because he saw a digital transformation coming to manufacturing. This is obviously about 25 years ago, but, and he, he organized around the idea of, of thinking about how your, how your products and how your businesses might get disrupted and getting there ahead. Is that some of what is driving this? Is the idea that it's gonna get, it's gonna happen, and you guys want to be in the middle of it? Yeah, and that that's a great uh, point that you make. I think innovation has these kind of S curves, right? Uh, and so, as innovation of let's say you know the personal computer went up, right? There's a lot more adoption, but then it's, it starts to saturate the market, and then you saw probably the smartphones go up and. And then it has this kind of uh, accelerating effect, and then it kind of starts to uh, plateau, right? Because now you've saturated the market with that. So in the same way, industries kind of go through these innovation cycles and innovation curves. Um, and, in, and fundamentally, we believe that getting ahead of it, staying on top of it, will continue to make the business relevant for not only our current customers, but also future customers and users of our product. Um, and so that's kind of the principle behind that. Um, and, you know, what we started off doing and what a lot of corporate companies in Fortune 500 uh, businesses do is they have an innovation team that kind of then looks at new technologies and tries to apply it to, you know, internally or to, you know, some of their customers. Um, but what we started to see change over the years is that, um, you know, innovation should be really problem driven, right? You figure out who the user and the use case is. And the problem is before trying to apply cool technologies like AR, VR or drones or AI and, and that type of lingo. Um, so we, what we've done is, you know, in 2018, we kind of restructured and we rebranded as, as Stanley X to focus on 
the core problems related to our industry and users rather than just look at all the cool technology out there and try to reverse apply to our, our users. That's a cool story. I, it's funny that it, it's paralleled in some other conversations I've had with innovation teams at big general contractors where they had an innovation approach that was driven by a, a, you know, a felt need for innovation. But in time, they realized that they weren't close enough to users. They weren't close enough. In, in this case, a lot of times they weren't close enough to the field. So right. the innovation team wasn't, wasn't you know, tied to what real, real needs were. And they, they often would either reorganize or just change their, I mean, in their case, they, they would often just change their approach and really get much more field focused and much more user focused. Uh, yeah, so it's exactly. cool to hear that you guys, in, in, from a different perspective, have, have, come, have gone through a, a similar evolution. Yeah, exactly. Um, we, we, we've definitely seen that a lot of innovation groups have to kind of, quite frankly, innovate themselves, right? They have to figure out what the proper structure, the proper mandate and process is for them um, to apply some of the you know, new trends as well as um, address the, the new problems that are arising with their, their user base before someone else does. And so let's talk. So that was the disruption piece. And I thank you for really getting into that. The other thing I'd like to, to talk a little bit about is you, you went through a number of activities and, and what's, what's, I think, unique or at least, you know, pretty special about your approach is how flexible it is. You, you're really applying a, a kind of a range of things. Not, you're not a VC. Well, you, you do that, but that's not what, you know, you're not a VC. You're not an incubator. You're a blend of different things. How, do, how does that how does that work? Yeah, and I think that's kind of the beauty of, of having a, a large company backing, right? Um, and the fact that we have, we're, you know, this, this division under the corporate Stanley Black & Decker brand, which is amazing so that you have visibility and exposure to, you know, the leadership needs as well. Uh, and so that allows you to take advantage of capabilities and um and kind of superpowers across different business units. So for example, whether it's capital needs from a funding perspective to even resourcing needs from talent perspective, or even uh, processes internally, like manufacturing, trying to spin something up and try something out, we could definitely do that and take advantage of it. And I think that alleviates a lot of the pressures and stresses that, you know, having been in startups myself in the past would experience, which is well, you know, running out of budget or like trying to figure out how to get the right resource in at the right time and then having to procure a lot of like net new equipment or net new assets just to, you know, whether test something out or, or build something. Uh, and to your point about, you know, the different levers that we have build by, you know, acquire or partner, um, we can do those things because, you know, we're closely tied and our president works closely and is tied to, you know, our, our business development team, our M&A team, also our Stanley Ventures team, which is like more formally the corporate venturing arm, mm -hmm. uh, as well as the business unit leaders. So we understand their needs as well. So that's cool. And you guys have, have also, are you guys also producing? So I, I'm going to make sure I heard you right. Are you guys producing your own products as a team or are, are you, you know, pulling in other folks that are developing some and supporting them? Or yeah. is it, again, is it all over the map? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, great point. So, Actually, this past year in December 2020, we launched our first internal product that we had built ourselves. Um, it's called One Construct, which is really addressing kind of the coordination across uh, the field, the, the job site, uh, the office and the fab shop in terms of, you know, the task that needs to be done, uh, the schedule, the status, the, the documents, all of that. That's usually in all these data silos 
um, being put together in one place. And, you know, without getting too much into it in, in this kind of talk, uh, that is kind of the first product that we've kind of built at Stanley X in-house. Um, the other, you know, startups that we had launched, you know, then spun out of Stanley Black & Decker was actually kind of like think of it as like seeding a company and kind of like spinning them off so that they could operate independently outside of the four walls. So Dato, for example, is another company that um, does a lot of smart documentation management, which you could, um, you know, easily access whether you're on the field or in the office a lot faster, a lot more relevant with a, with a smarter search algorithm. Um, and there's a few others that we've spun off on the side um, that are operating independently. Uh, yeah, actually, and I, I think um, I have uh, in, in a future episode, I'll be speaking with um, with uh, uh, Jake Olson, who mm-hmm. who is the CEO of Dato. And right. I'll tell you, one of the things that, that his he often will tell the story of how your bro- your group. This is a couple of years ago, but really forced them to be uh, or encouraged, you know, <laughs> yeah them to, to go out and, and really practice the lean startup methodology. And, 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 and in his case, that means getting out and talking to people for like two months. And it was transformative. And it just speaks really well to the, some of the discipline that you guys bring, which I think is awesome. But also for people that are listening to this, it's worth knowing that, that, the, that the rigor that goes into that is, is really critical to making things work. Right. Um, right. Absolutely. So what... Tell me how how much you're able to tell me about areas that you guys like to focus in. Are there are there hot spots? Are there parts of the process, parts of construction, parts of manufacturing? Are there areas that are are interesting to you? Yeah, and and within construction, um, you know, we see it in three distinct phases of, as we've mapped out kind of the process and and really like kind of walk through and talk through thousands of users, thousands of construction workers, and just understanding, you know, both the pre-construction phase where there's um, sourcing, finding bids, preparing those, right, to, mm-hmm. um, you know, estimating and procuring kind of all that to getting the schedule set up. And then you go into the construction process, which is, you know, the meat of it and the heart of it, which is all around, uh, you know, planning, manpower assignments, a QA, QC, uh, documentation management, like we talked about. And then there's also at post-construction, right, um, with, whether it's facilities maintenance or facility management, um, to, to anything else like commissioning or decommissioning and things like that. And there's also, you know, along the horizontal aspect across all of those spaces are things that could be just um, applied such as ERP systems to, you know, talent, you know, talent systems and recruiting and maintaining your, your people and safety even, right? Uh, so we, we look across all of those. I think primarily we've been more or less in the uh, main construction area in terms of, you know, the planning and scheduling and assigning and, and tracking of things as well as uh, QA, QC. And so those are all things that we're kind of like looking at. And it's not to say that we'll build everything ourselves. Like we definitely know that, but th- those are kind of open spaces and gaps and opportunities for us to partner with other startups or even, you know, invest in other startups, which allows us to have this flexible framework to create the solution that would apply to our Stanley Black & Decker customers. And actually, that's a perfect segue to my my asking that where is your is your focus within those broad areas you just talked about? Does it tie back to Stanley Black and Decker products like Dewalt tools and and so on? Yeah, yeah. In in some ways, so for example, um, in Dewalt, like we have a product called um, 
ToolConnect, which basically we hear about lost tools on job sites all the time. Um, people can't find where they're placed. And for that, you know, ToolConnect can basically link in QR, you know, scan with one of your, let's say, drills, and you can basically link it so you can see the main, the uptime, like how long it was used, but also at the same time where it is. So that direct, ties directly to some of that tools business. Um, in other cases, to your point, uh, it may not be directly tied. I think more so because uh, we, we view innovation, um, you know, in a couple different lenses, right? You can see immediate innovation, one that ties directly to uh, the core business. And, you know, if you apply that to like construction companies, like what is like an innovation directly applying to what they do today versus you know, something that may be a little bit further out, like five to 10 years out. And that may be something that they're just testing and trying out like robotics, but that might not be scaled or applied broadly across construction sites and projects until, you know, it's really proven economically at scale. So that those are some of the lenses that we think through as we apply different innovation criteria across our initiatives. That's actually, again, another good segue is... You guys do innovation all day long. Um, how do you think about innovation? Are there tools that you like to use? Are there processes that you like to use? Yeah, yeah. I think um, the way that we view innovation, there's, you know, there's co- the common framework of like three horizons, right? Like horizon one, horizon two, horizon three. And what I mean by that is horizon one is directly applied to your business. So an example is. Um, a good friend of mine is at you know Samsung Next, which is the innovation division for Samsung, right? And you know if if they're going to do an innovative effort um, that actually benefits the core business, helping them sell more refrigerators, then absolutely. So maybe like a recipe maker, right? The digital recipe maker that makes sense. It's like a little bit more short term, but also like direct ties directly. Um, and then there's Horizon Two, which is like a little bit like not not directly related, but a little bit further out. So it could be more of a software or mobile app capability. You know, as far as with Stanley Black & Decker, um, that is probably a little bit more on the mobile app capability side. So it could be like, you know, scanning something or like using an app to, you know, accomplish another task, et cetera. And then there's like the third horizon, which is a little bit further out. And I talked about like, you know, robotics and could be drones or AR, VR, right? Which is still, in some cases, is still being developed. Mm-hmm. The, the you know the gaming engine is um, still like refining its accuracy and it's like trying to be applied to the point where it could be like adopted on the construction site. Um, we view innovation as those three kind of layers, and the way that we apply innovation in our practice is that we have uh, formal types of you know innovation work like incubations where we have you know this ten to twelve week long practice of you know customer discovery, storyboarding, uh, prototyping, concept testing, you know, that type of work. And that could result in either spinning out a company or investing or kind of building on our own. And then there's more or less kind of the art and science behind product management at traditional tech companies, which is, you know, understand the user needs, like map the pain points as well as the the user stories and then start to develop the requirements. And then, you know, you could build digitally, you could build the hardware, um, you know, that, that type of work as well. So it's a little bit of blend of both. I love that. I love that you brought up the three horizons model. So, so just because I'm a geek, um, McKinsey came up with this, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. Um, and it's, it's a really useful way for people to think about innovation. Um, you guys have operationalized it for what you do, which is great. And it's a bit more specific because you know, you know, your context, 
but the kind of generic thing, and I encourage everybody to just Google it, Google the McKinsey growth, three, three horizons model. And it's a, it's a really useful way of thinking about what you should require of innovation, right? If, if it's going to be horizon one, you need to know it works on Monday or pretty close, pretty mm-hmm. soon. And horizon two is like, well, we understand the mechanics. We just got to work bugs out. And horizon three is like, well, we understand the theory, <laughs> but we have to figure out the mechanics. It's, that's my operationalizing of it, but usually it's measured in you know two to three years, and then then further out into ten years. Um, I love that you guys use that. I think that's um, it's just a really useful way to think, especially right now in construction, where you know you're seeing SaaS products that are are you know pretty, pretty kind of really understand what they're doing, and mm-hmm. then you get things like a drone, which when people first yeah. were using them four or five years ago or less, I guess. It was really kind of Horizon Two, but now there are companies who use it. It's part of daily operations, yeah. uh, which is kind of illustrates the point, right? Of going from after two or three years, Horizon Two becomes Horizon One by you know by default. <laughs> yeah, you're spot on. I think sometimes you got to just be you got to be always looking at kind of the trends in terms of customer adoption, like willingness to use, right? Like you could put an app out there, but if you know, your, your customer base honestly doesn't have smartphones, like what good will it do for them, right? So you have to really understand the form factor behind what you ship and deliver so that you have a higher chance of, you know, finding that product market fit rather than just, oh, this is, you know, will people wear AR goggles all around like construction sites? Uh, maybe in some cases, it may be for some specific roles, but really targeting the right persona and the right timing is also an element of that kind of innovation and adoption. Well, you know, it's a funny illustration of your point about really understanding how people use different technologies until until recently, until somebody came out with uh, with a kind of an integrated hard hat. You couldn't wear a hard hat and a Hololens at the same time. Right. Again, that got solved, but but it, it prior to that, all this work where people were, you know, using BIM models in in um in a uh, in an, kind of an AR context, it, it didn't. It was hard to do. It was hard to do anything with because you couldn't. You couldn't put those things on your head in a, in a live environment. Yeah, um, absolutely. And again, somebody somebody went and solved that. Um, who you know presumably will speak to it in, in a future podcast. Um, so the the three horizons model is is awesome. Are there other tools that you guys like? Yeah, I'm just trying to think. I think um, one of one of the things that we tried to also employ here is uh really kind of like a pods concept so trying to think of it as you know what do you really need to get started on either building something or trying something out like you you don't need to throw a whole army of folks right into uh into the tub to to try to figure and try something out you could really do it very lean and very quick Um, and so that may require just you know a product manager a designer and you know an engineer and if you have kind of those three elements just starting off and you want to just wireframe or kind of prototype something out, you could really just, uh, you know, talk to some customers, show them some concepts, see if you can engineer something really quickly. And then uh, if it fails, it fails and just embrace that, right? Like we talk about failing fast, but I think a lot of companies are shy about that. Um, you know, it's really hard to, to tell, you know, the executives, hey, we failed on this, right? Um, but, you know, I think it's not really about the failure, it's really about the learning behind it, yeah. right? So yeah, you yeah. fail fast, but like, Really, what people should be doing is learning, you know, what came out of it. The other thing we we try to do is we do a lot of retros. So at least yeah. in my team, we do uh, retros when you know something has been shipped or when uh, you know some event has been completed, uh, and then we'll kind of talk about you know what went well, you know what what didn't go as planned, you know, and what could have been you know done better, 
And then how do we take action on that? So sometimes it could be you know the politics of things. Sometimes it could be the tools that we're using, or it could be the process. So, um, you know, that's kind of what we use to try to improve on an iterative basis. Let's talk a sec about that it, that retro. So there's some things from um, from agile and from the, the startup world that don't really live in construction, mm-hmm. and and I think they they could help. And one of them is this idea of a, of a retrospective of a retro, which which I understand that is coming out of agile. I assume that's the one you mean, but it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, you're you're having yeah. a meeting yeah. to reflect on what went well and what didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, how do you guys how do you guys do that? And I, without getting too into the the process, but what's what's the general approach? Yeah, so um, the general approach is that you want to get everyone who is involved in whatever event, events or whatever product was uh, shipped mm-hmm. in that room, right? And I mean, right now we're all doing it virtually for uh, COVID reasons. Uh, and what you want to do is just have them be transparent in writing out things that they felt went well and give people proper you know, credit to where credit's due and, and shout outs, right? Um, but at the same time, like talk very candidly about where things fell apart without you know, striking any blame. And I think that's the part that everyone should be careful of is like, you're not here to say, you know, John didn't do this. You're really saying, well, you know, was that a communication part that kind of broke down? You know, as people need to take more accountability for, you know, what they were assigned. Um, and so we kind of like, you know, you write that out on a doc. And then at the end of, you know, you know, with a few minutes left to spare at the end of the meeting, you review all the points and just talk about like, you know, someone wrote about this and they kind of talk about it. And you should be kind of comfortable and open about sharing about that instead of, uh, trying to hide things, which honestly is really not going to do any good for for the team or the business, right? That and and I guess to the degree you can talk about this, but how, what does management do to set that tone? Is it is it, is it a, just as simple as you know starting the conversation by saying, "Look, there's there's no blame here," and then enforcing it, or is there more formal ways of of kind of keeping people focused on the problem, not on the blame? Yeah, I think. I think there's a combination of factors that come to mind when things have gone well with the retros. One is uh, leadership is really accountable for like setting the culture of the team, right? So uh, here at Stanley X in construction tech, like what we emphasize is, you know, humility, um, you know, and giving credit to where credit's due. So no one's trying to like, you know, steal the spotlight. Uh, The other thing is um, working collaboratively, but very smartly, right? Like you're not here to just collaborate across everything that you can do. It's really what everything that is important to focus on, uh, and prioritizing for impact, right. Over, um, just seeming like you're busy. So spending time on, you know, we've all got limited time. Like how do you focus your time, energy, and effort on the most important things? So those are kind of our culture principles, but how that bleeds down into some of the retros is that, you know, as we emphasize that, with our team meetings and, and how it kind of lives out, like that kind of then starts to bleed into things like the retrospective. Um, so like being transparent, being humble about it, like, you know, we're all, we're all here to like help each other out, not trying to like, you know, like I said, steal the spotlight or anything. The other thing I would just say is as a leader, as management, like you should probably start the retro. You should probably be the one who does a retro and shows people how it's done. Like I've had my fair share of like doing the retro and, you know, I'm the one also taking notes. So there's no, like, there's no, I'm too high to be taking notes. You know, I'm too high to be doing any sort of work. It's really, as the leader, you're going to set the tone for the team, right? And, and you lead by example. That's really cool. And I, I, I kind of dug into that one because there are, you know, an increasing number of 
general contractors who are looking at at building their own solutions or or you know their own integrations and it's a really different muscle. I mean one of the reasons why comp- why things like Stanley Accent are often created is to be separate from the main ship so that norms can be different so that the tone can be different so that things like the the culture you just described can be different. And again, I'm you're seeing that sometimes that the innovation team is different, but it really is it's important that that you know all the way from how money is managed to expectations to uh, in, you know incentives and bonus structure really reflect a, a, a different ethos, a different a, you know a different set of, of expectations, uh, which is hard for people to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know that's everyone that's what you know the, the original skunk works that that created all these crazy um, <laughs> airplanes and all that was. I, you know, I think they called it skunk works because it was yeah. near some chemicals or something. But the idea was to get people out of the the structure that was just very good at making, you know, big things that don't go wrong, but wasn't so good at making little things that aren't quite there yet. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think what um, our president of Stanley X, Mike Keogh, did well, just um, just as a little bit of background, is he he was really focused on making sure that we were kind of operating more more or less independently right that we have the flexibility and autonomy to test try fail and innovate again um such that you know um there is kind of that leeway that is that there is those margin of error like room for margin of error Mm -hmm. uh and and so what's great about that is that it gave us that time and buffer to work on things right without um you know the expectation and delivery that this is going to be you know a profitable business tomorrow um, like we talked about. So the way that we think about it is, you know, your innovation group or unit division, whatever you call it, should really be treated as kind of a um, another bet, right? Your bet may not be realized at, for like a number of years and you should set a kind of like a reasonable expectation behind that. Whereas your core business is there to operate on the PNL, right? Mm-hmm. And to make sure that investors, you know, whether they're long-term or short-term investors, um, that there, there is like creation of shareholder value immediately rather than, um, the long-term one, which is going to be, you know, placing a longer term bed and waiting upon the realization of that. So I like the way you put that. So another way of saying it is that the main, the main business is every inch counts. Whereas you can't, you can't think like that when you're trying to, to make big bets or you're trying to, to get to the, you know, back to the horizon model and any one of the horizons really. Um, you need to be okay with, with losing some inches to gain some feet. Um, that's awesome. So I want to talk, you know, I, I really love how you've painted a couple things I think come out of this. One of them is how, um, companies that are looking to do innovation can learn from some of the lessons and some, some of the practices you've talked about today. But if I were somebody who wanted to get involved, whether it's somebody who's got an idea or it's somebody who just wants to get involved in, in construction tech generally, what are some things that you might do? Yeah, that's great. It's a great question. So one of the things that we've launched here at Stanley X Construction Tech is our Construction Technology Advisory Board. We call it the CTAB. And, and uh, what that was intentionally created was to create a voice of the user and customers out there for construction to have an input where they could bring up either pain points, ideas, um, and have a frank discussion about issues around the industry that could be solved and you know, it doesn't have to be us who are solving it. It could be, you know, others that are may already solve it. And they may be like partners of ours or startups that we've invested in. Um, but at the same time, I think we want to create this avenue 
where um, construction workers come to and just kind of share their thoughts right openly. I think that's a, a really immediate and very simple, tangible way to do that. And I'm happy to share the website with you afterwards as well. Uh, if you're in construction and you're looking to, you know, I've heard, I've met with a few folks who are looking to make a move into tech, you know, tech companies or want to do more innovation at construction. Uh, I think one tangible way is to really get your hands on some of the, um, you know, on-site pilots of technology that your company may be doing. So if you're on a construction project and they're trying out robots, like how do you get involved? How could you help out, right? Um, or if you're on a project that's using a new SaaS software, like how could you test it out for them? Um, and try it out. And I think what you'll learn is that, you know, technology isn't perfect. So that there's actually a lot of errors. There's a lot of issues with, uh, you know, SaaS products today, like whether they're not integrated or there's bugs. Those are great ways to just note, like, how would you have done this differently? How would you have like, um, you know, fixed this error in terms of your experience? And I think uh, that kind of firsthand experience, you know, as you look to move into more tech or kind of even you know, build your own startup will give you a, a, you know, a smarter perspective of how you do something differently. Right. Um, and so I think that's a really great opportunity for those who are in the construction world today, working on job sites, you know, whether you're a project engineer, field engineer, superintendent, et cetera. Um, those are really good opportunities. I think, you know, if you are a startup and you're like looking to get involved with, you know, Stanley X, uh, you know, what we look for is really, you know, um, entrepreneurs of all sorts and sizes. So uh, no matter where you're at, love to connect with you. Um, one of the things is we look for, you know, uh, a really profound perspective on the problem, making sure that you have a clear understanding of that problem, that industry, that user. Um, and also uh, just for thinking about, like, what is your vision behind that? Like, what well, you know, not just solving it today, but how would you solve it, you know, 10 years from now? And what do you think is going to happen? Um, and also offering something that's different from the market. I think that's uh, we see a lot of software these days, and um, I think there's certainly a gap in terms of opportunities to differentiate, and we'd love to kind of just meet all entrepreneurs of different types. So that, That's awesome. So to summarize, three good ways to get involved. One is if you see a problem or see a need, you guys have got the C-Tab, which is an opportunity to, to um, kind of let people know. Um, if you want to get involved, you know, you can, as a, uh, as a, somebody who's getting in, in, in kind of into the industry, you guys have got resources for that. And finally, if they're a startup, we'll see. Um, that's fantastic. Hey, Justin, this has been a really great talk. I, I appreciate your taking the time. Thanks, Hugh. It was a pleasure uh, being on with you and uh, looking forward to just moving this industry forward.